As we uh, get started this evening, I'm going to pick up where we were last week. I have two things on my mind to let you kind of know where I'm headed. Uh, I was at the house in the last seven days, and there was a workman there who's a believer. They're not all believers, but this guy was. And he was commenting on, you know, the flowers and the look. And uh, he was talking about how great God is, all this stuff we take for granted. You plant seeds and beautiful flowers come up. And, and I just said, as an aside, I said, what must heaven look like? And he said the most amazing thing to me. He said, I can't wait to get there. And so I'm walking back to the house, and I told the Lord, I said, well, that's great, and he's a believer, and I'm happy he's a believer, but that's not my mentality at all. Because Fred Price taught us that heaven will take care of itself. So in other words, I want to go, but not tonight. Unless the rapture happens tonight, then I want to go. Do you understand? All right. So the second thing on my mind as we start tonight is, when I got here this evening, there was a card on the, my desk in the back, and it's somebody believing God. And there was a gift in there. We have people among us, and they're believing God. It's not theoretical. It's not academic. They're not believing God for a set of golf clubs. In other words, there are people in the fight. And... I find myself having a hard time getting away from John 14, John 15, and Mark 11 because the answer's in there. And I believe that about the Word of God. The answer, say it out loud, every answer I need, answer I need is, in the Bible is in the Bible somewhere. I just have to find it. Amen. I just have to find it. So let's pick it back up. Uh, just one or two verses of review, then we'll hit new ground. John 8, 31, 32, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, why would he have said, if you hold to my teaching, if it were not possible to not hold to his teaching? And so holding to his teaching seems to be like something that we have to do on an active basis because there are all these theories, ideas, opinions, cults, and all these things that want to pull us off course. He said, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I like the way Fred Price taught it years ago. He said, it's, it's the truth. It's not the truth that you give mental assent to that sets you free. It's the truth that you believe and confess and take action upon that sets you free. So we're not talking about mental assent. It's the word that you assimilate and then internalize to where you believe it sufficiently to take action upon it. That truth will set you free. The King James says it this way, Then said Jesus to those Jews which had believed on him, If ye continue in my word, I love that too, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So my point is, we abide in the word, we live in the word, our home is in the word, we meditate on the word. I mean, how did America get so weird? Well, people were abiding in, meditating in other stuff. Can you see that? You know, I saw a survey just in the last seven days about who believes a man can become a woman and a woman can become a man. The, the highest percentage category was postgraduate degrees. 
In other words, like Fred Price used to say, you have to go to school a long time to get that stupid. My point is, they're, they're meditating on the wrong thing, they're thinking about the wrong thing, they're abiding in the wrong thing, and you come to the wrong conclusions. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein, in the word, day and night, that thou mayest observe to do, taking action according to all that is written therein, not your favorite parts. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And I realize people have trouble with this. I never did because I wanted the prosperity part and I wanted the success part. So if I had to meditate on the word of God so that I could be careful to do all written therein to get to the success and the prosperity, I didn't have a problem with it because I wanted to get to the prize. Now, let's get back to John 15, 7. And I was, when we were on vacation, it was this verse that arrested me because, and somebody was asking me about this. You know, it wasn't that many years ago. If you wanted to look up a Greek word, if you wanted to look up the meaning of a Greek word, you'd have to sit at a desk with five or six books. Well, now everything is online, so it's easy. And I explained to a man who was asking me about this, I said, for example, John 15, 7, you can do it with any verse in the New Testament. Just type in John 15, 7, interlinear. And one of the links there will be Bible Hub. You go there, and it's all there. Strong's Concordance, Young's Analytical Concordance, it's all there. So you can look this stuff up yourself. I'm not trying, when I, when I bring these things up, I'm not trying to sound educated or uh, be cool, but there is truth that we have missed, especially, I, I shouldn't say especially in the King James Version because every version has its strengths and weaknesses. Here I have the new King James. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. And Dad Hagen, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to say that word abide means to, to live in, to settle down in, to take up residence in. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you desire. And we've dealt with this previously in this study course. Now, I'm not going to get into the variations. The root word there is a teo. It means to demand. We dealt with this last Wednesday. We're not demanding something of God. We're not coming to God with a bad attitude. And if we get strong in prayer, we're not getting strong in prayer with God. We're getting strong in prayer with Satan. Colossians 2.15, Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Colossians 2.15, Jesus made an open show and spectacle of Satan on Calvary's cross. He put to naught every work of Satan on Calvary's cross. We just have to get strong on this, that we're just not going to have these attacks. We're just not going to put up with Satan invading our bodies, causing symptoms, giving us pains. We're just not going to have Satan running our children. We're just not going to have it. Amen. All right, but my point is, if you don't get strong about it, anybody ever, I hate to go down this route, anybody ever go to school with or been around a bully? Now, don't, if it's your husband, just be cool. But, you know, I grew up in Detroit. And I think it was along about the fifth grade, I learned how to handle bullies. But uh, 
you know, Satan is a bully. And, and he'll bully his way into your life. He'll bully his way into your pocketbook. He'll bully his way into your children. He's a bully. And you see that, you see that in the culture and social media. The followers of Satan can be really nasty pieces of work. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. And that word is a teo, demand, to demand as your rights and privileges under the new covenant, and it shall be done for you. And I said last Wednesday, the word that got my attention is actually one that I'd never paid any attention to. Uh, Genesetai, it shall be done for you. It shall come to pass. It shall be done. And last Wednesday night, we went through the nine times in the New Testament that word is used in that tense. The word ask here is the same word Jesus used in John 14, 13, 14. So let's go there. John 14, 13, 14, and I will do whatever you ask. It's a different, it's a different uh, tense, but it's the same word, a teo. Whatever you demand is your rights and privileges under the new covenant. Now, the best example of this is Peter and John at the gate called Beautiful. Peter said, look at us. The man gave them his attention. He said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. He didn't pray a prayer. He didn't ask God for anything. See, that's, that's what John George was talking about earlier. That's walking in who you are. That's knowing who you are and walking in who you are. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. That's a demand of faith. But now that's not telling God what to do. And I said last Wednesday, you know, we're not trying to tell God what to do. God's not the problem. Satan's the problem. So we're not trying to tell God what to do, but we are, we are supposed to come into a knowledge of what Jesus did for us, making us new creations in Christ. And we are supposed to not just come into that revelation, but we are supposed to take our place. Tell your neighbor, take your place. And I will do whatever you demand as your rights and privileges under the new covenant in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask, same word there, teo, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And look, lo and behold, those last few words in the English Bible, and I will do it. That is this, this word that caught my attention on vacation, genesetai. So Jesus was actually saying, if you live in, settle down in, take up residence in me, and my words live in, settle down in, take up residence in you, you shall demand your rights, whatever you desire, and they will come into being for you. Now, the phrase come into being, it shall come to pass. This word, genesetai, means it shall come to pass, it shall be done, it will be done, it will happen. It will come to pass. And the idea of the word is like something being born, something coming into being. Say it out loud, something coming into being. Something coming into being. And all this, of course, reminds us of Father God in the beginning. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And we're going to get to why it takes us longer. So he says, the thing that you desire, if his words abide in you, and you abide in his words, will be given birth in you by God. Now, we know the power of this. We ought to know the power of this because we have evidence. Sue and I went to lunch Monday and there, there are still people wearing masks three years later. Right. See, what they did is they abided in, they settled down in, they took up residence in that cult. Amen. Yeah. 
But we have this whole thing now that men can lactate and all this stuff. See, how do you get there? How do you get there? Well, you, you meditate on that. You settle down in that. You know, you, you take up residence in that until you lose your mind. Amen. So there's, see how the world understands this stuff and uses this stuff when Christians don't understand it and don't use it. So there's absolutely no limit to the ability of God that is unveiled to us in his word. And this process of faith, say that out loud, process of faith. This process of faith is like being pregnant. We bring forth, we bring forth, we bring forth the word of God over time. People want magic, but faith doesn't work like that. And this is why people are incessantly, and we, we wrestle sometimes with guests because you, it's possible to abuse God's people. And we, don't, we love God's people. We don't want God's people abused. And so sometimes a guest comes in. They want to lay hands on everybody, every service. They want to anoint people with oil every service. They want to do Daniel fast. You know, they want to train your people to do Daniel fast in January, all this stuff. It's all nonsense. Look, if, if, if someone lays hands on you, and you do not receive what you need in that moment. In my estimation, having been doing this 50 years, the only plan B is to go to the book. Not to go to another preacher or not to do a Daniel fast or because see what happens is people end up chasing answers and they end up chasing miracles and frankly I, I never see any positive result from it we dealt with this a little bit Sunday that in this New Testament era we are healed by the word of God in this New Testament era we are healed by the written word of God there are exceptions there are people healed by the laying on of hands, by the anointing of oil, by the prayer of agreement. But see, all of that is based in the word. And then also, there's another issue and problem, and that is that, you know, somebody brought me a sick man eight days ago at the Father's Day Guys Night Out. And I told I said, I was a little excited because, you know, here's a fresh person to lay hands on. Because, see, you all are word taught. God expects more out of you. You understand? But if it's a visitor, if it's somebody that hasn't been taught, that's where the signs and wonders are more likely to happen. Not people that have been word taught. And it's human nature, right? Abide in, settle down in, take up residence in. That, Pastor, that sounds like W-O-R-K. Well, if you would just give up some of your TV time, just give up some of your Facebook time, just give up some of your Twitter time, just give up some of that time and dedicate to abiding in, residing in, settling down in the Word of God, you'd be, you'd be shocked what could happen in your life in five, in five months or five years. We're talking about bringing it forth, bringing forth the Word of God. And this is what we discussed in the spring power lunch inside out. And this is why people fail because they don't stay with the word. 
So faith brings forth the promises of God. It's like being pregnant. It takes time. Just like destroying your life takes time, building your life takes time. Now, last Wednesday, we dealt with this word, genesetai, and I gave you the nine times it's used in the New Testament. But this is what's interesting. That is simply a verb tense of the Greek word, genomai, and that word is used 671 times in the New Testament, and it means to emerge, to become, to transition from one realm or condition to another. It means to come into being. It means to happen. Now, while I'm, while I'm dealing with this, the Lord's talking to me that the world has ripped this off and the world has ripped off this thing of transitioning. Sue and I have been transitioned many times. We were poor, but we ain't poor no more. Amen. Hallelujah. We had a poverty mentality at one time, but we don't have that po po poverty mentality anymore. Do you see how the truth of God's word gets ripped off by the devil and the devil uses the truth, the principles behind this powerful thing and God's people don't even see it, don't even use it. We used to drive used cars. I have pushed some of those used cars. We, one of the greatest days of my life is when I bought my first brand new car. I was 35 years old. And, and I said to Sue, golly, we don't need jumper cables. We transitioned. And I haven't stopped. <laughs> and I know it irritates people, but I haven't stopped. Amen. I mean, we're surviving in the gym, right? Can we all agree we're surviving in the gym? But we're not going to stop. We're going to build the next phase. Why? Well, we got nothing else to do. He said, Terry, till I come. So we got, we got to do some stuff while we're waiting. Amen. 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 And one of the biggest things we got to do is to prove to the world and relatives and the devil and everybody around us that our God meets all of our needs. Amen. Amen. And he's making us rich in every way so we can be generous on every occasion. Amen. So we're talking about this word. 671 times in the New Testament, it means to emerge, to become, to transition from one realm or condition to another. It means to come into being. It means to happen. And the thought of the word is something being born, something coming into being. Say it out loud. I may not be all that God intended for me to be, but I am changing into it. See, and this word, genesetai, is how the kingdom of God works. The believer meditates on the word of God until that word becomes real enough to come out of his or her mouth and until that word becomes real enough to take action on it. Then the believer brings forth the promises of God in his or her own life. Now let's go to Isaiah 55. Sue is reminding me about this last Wednesday night when we got home from church. Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. I love verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. See, that's the word of God. The word of God is a seed. And last Wednesday, I was telling you what Oral Roberts taught us. Anything God ever did, God started or began with a seed. And even when he decided, when he envisioned redeeming man from man's sin, he began with a seed. He planted a seed, the word of God, in the womb of the Virgin Mary. So it says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. This is Isaiah. Jeremiah said that the Lord said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. I'm watching over my word to fulfill it. So what God's looking for is his word. And this is how the kingdom of God works. And this is how Jesus taught it, Mark eleven twenty two to 24. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you what things shall you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. See, that's a process. All right, so you've heard that 100,000 times at Faith Christian Center, but what is the story behind it? We don't often deal with the story behind it. Back up to verse 12. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, he what? He said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now, why did Jesus do this? Because he was hungry and he was disappointed. He couldn't have a snack. Of course not. He did what he did to illustrate faith. And he did what he did to illustrate how faith works. The Bible even says it was not the season for figs. So was Jesus stupid? No. I mean, you don't go out, you don't go to the farmer's market in December and look for fresh tomatoes or watermelon, do you? No. Didn't Jesus, I mean, he created the earth himself. He didn't know what the season was. That's not the point. He did what he did to illustrate faith and he did what he did to illustrate how faith works. The next day, Mark eleven twenty, in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And that's when Jesus spoke those famous words, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have. He shall have. He shall have. It shall be done. It will be done. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you what things serve you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them, and ye shall have them, and ye shall have them. In other words, 
It shall be done. It shall come to pass. Now, question. If Jesus, sinless Jesus, anointed Jesus, Jesus who was the Son of Man and the Son of God, spoke to a tree, and it took overnight for his words to come to pass, why do you think you can speak words and not have to wait for it to come to pass? Because if, if it was some kind of sci-fi thing and that tree had withered up from the roots in two seconds, they would have saw that. But that's not what they saw. They heard one thing on one day and then the next day they saw the result. And that's Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the anointed sinless Jesus. And it took overnight for his words to come to pass. It was an object lesson. And it was an object lesson for us. See, this is the meaning of the parable of the unjust judge in Luke 18. Verse 1 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I like the King James. They should always pray and never give up. And I don't know how many times I've heard sermons on that in my lifetime comparing that, that, that God is the unjust judge. I remember Finest Jennings Dake telling Sue and me way back in the 70s that parables have one major point. And look for the major point of a parable and don't make further applications because you'll get it all messed up. And so the main point of the parable of the widow and the unjust judge is men should always pray and never give up. He gave the, re he gave the point of the parable in verse 1. But I don't know how many sermons I've had making God look like God is the unjust judge. And the only way you're going to get anything out of them is to harass the heck out of them. And you, you know how you do that? Well, you know, you get a group praying. You, you, get a, you, get, you get a group on Facebook. You know, we got to get a bunch of people praying. Look, <laughs> I, I like to do my own praying. Amen. Because I don't know what the heck's coming out of somebody else's mouth. Amen. You know, prayer reminds me of Sue and I would go out and preach at Pioneer Churches when we were missionaries teaching at the East Africa School of Theology in Nairobi, Kenya. And I love to go out with the seniors because they typically were involved in pioneering churches on weekends or they knew guys who had just graduated a year or two earlier and they were pioneering churches. And one Sunday we went out to this place and they wanted me to do a baptism. So I took a change of jeans and a t-shirt or whatever. So we're going out to this river. And this young man, he couldn't have been 21, 22, 23 years old. He said, he said, uh, I don't remember what they used to call me, Brother Gene. I don't remember what they used to call me. And he said, do you want to pray or do you want me to pray? I said, pray about what? He said, snakes and crocodiles. I said, I'll do the praying. <laughs> Amen. So that's kind of been my mo mode of operation ever since then. I will do the praying. Amen. Amen. So the point of the parable isn't that God is an unjust judge. No, a thousand times no. The point of the parable is that men should always pray and never give up. In other words, stay with it. Amen. We're just not diligent enough when it comes to the things of God. Now, let me give you one more example about how we don't do the word and we suffer for it. Luke 4, verse 1. Luke 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Say, full of the Holy Spirit. 
returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. So here is Jesus having fasted 40 days and the Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, what? Well, my theory, my idea my opinion is, is that what he did? No. Please, devil, leave me alone. I've had a hard time. I, I'm hungry. I have a, you know, where's McDonald's? I haven't eaten in 40 days. Is that what he said? No. no. How, did, how did Jesus, sinless Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, who had just fasted 40 days, how did he handle the devil? He quoted the word to him. And, and what word did he have to quote? Old Testament. It is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me. Who gave, who gave devil, the devil all these kingdoms? Talk to me. Who gave Satan all these kingdoms? Adam. For it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, what, did he, what do you think he said? It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written. Get it? Satan knows the Bible. The devil quoted the Bible. He knows the Bible better than any of us. And like he did with Eve, he twists God's word to deceive people. And that's why in any error, there's an element of truth. There's actually an element of truth in most lies. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, or they could have translated it. It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until a more opportune time. Now, I don't really want to deal with that, but the point is if Satan left Jesus until a more opportune time, why do you think you can quote Colossians 2.15 and Galatians 3.13 to him one time and that's it, you're done for the rest of your life, you're never going to be bothered with the devil again? Amen. So question, if Jesus after a 40-day fast and full of the Holy Spirit had to quote the Bible to the devil three times to get rid of him, what makes you think you can defeat the devil with less effort? And, and most Christians, see, how do we start tonight? If you abide in, if you dwell in, if you take, re, re, take up residence in me and my words dwell in and live in and take up residence in you, then you can make a demand of faith, whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. But most Christians have never memorized anything in the Bible except Jesus wept. And I don't know if you figured it out or not, but this battle going on, this is a spiritual battle. And I don't know if you have realized, you know, since we got the last couple of years, I mean, it seems very obvious to me that uh, the man of lawlessness is on the way and the Antichrist will be revealed and the time is short. So if there was ever a time, 
in the church age to not mess around and be ignorant and not know Bible and not know how to handle the devil, this is not the time to do that. This is the time to gird up our loins, put on the breastplate of righteousness, get the sword of the Lord in our hand, and know how to run the devil out. Run the devil out of our bodies, run the devil out of our money, run the devils out of our family, and run the devil out of our bodies. And if you haven't figured it out, that verse in Revelation is where we're at. He has come down to the earth and he is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. I mean, literally, evil has pulled out the stops. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. So if the devil has a place in your body, if the devil has a place in your children, if the devil has a place in your money, if the devil has a place in your family, you gave it to him. I dealt with this Sunday. We, we opened doors and look, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we opened doors and doors matter. Sunday night, you know, I got in bed and I was like three seconds from being in a deep sleep. I read a great article about how they train our Air Force pilots to, to sleep. And man, I mean, I knew it, man. I was like about three seconds from just being gone. And the Holy Spirit said, go check that door by the pool bath. And I got up and I went back there and I checked that door. Sure enough, it was unlocked. And I'm thinking, well, thank God that's over. I'm gonna get back in that bed. And I'm, I'm walking through the house and the Holy Spirit said, check them all. I found two more doors that were unlocked. Now somebody might say, Pastor, when you talk like that, you know, we just think you're out there, you're weird, whatever. Listen, if it wasn't the Holy Spirit, why were both of his, they weren't commands, but both of his suggestions, why were they accurate? And then the next morning, I'm, I'm telling Sue this, and then I get done with that. I'm telling her this story in the kitchen, and I'm walking over to my office, and it was a little brutal, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, he said, people that don't meditate on my word and take action on my word, they don't live like this. See, the things I take for granted as normal. I know people think I am out there, but I think I am normal. At least I know I'm a male. <laughs> I'm the most normal dude in town. See, knowing God is not abnormal. Knowing God is the whole objective of this whole endeavor. You know, we're, 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 not, we're not just born again so we can get out of jail free card. No, there's a life to be lived born again. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have life. I used to say it this way at the hotel, to the max. And that's what I'm into. But if I'm going to experience life to the max, I, I can't have the devil running around in my house or my family or my children or my money or my body. Because he wreaks havoc wherever he goes. So if the devil has a place in our lives or our homes or in our bodies, it's because we gave it to him. I've got 
One more example, because I don't want to do this next Wednesday night. Go to Romans 4 and we'll wrap this thing up. Abraham, we're talking about bringing it forth. Say it out, tell your neighbor, you got to bring it forth. And, and as I've gotten into this word, it took, it took me back in time all those years ago that Sue and I went and heard uh, Dr. Paul Yonggi Cho. In fact, his book, The Fourth Dimension, has got some of this type language in it. You got to bring it forth. Amen. Amen. I mean, you, you know, you, you may not be able to tell it, but I'm pregnant right now. <laughs> See, the world's ripping the stuff off that has spiritual truth to it. I'm pregnant right now. You know what I'm pregnant with? I'm pregnant with phase two. And it's coming forth. It shall come to pass. I said, it shall come to pass. I said, it shall come to pass. See, we're not supposed to, you know, oh dear God, the world's playing make-believe and dress up. Man, I'm talking about something that is real, something that's tangible, something that, that you know, you, you might be believing God for it tonight, but man, it won't be but a few weeks, a few months, you'll be driving it. You might be believing God for it tonight, but it won't be that, it won't be that many weeks or months, man, you'll be living in it. You'd be posting pictures on Facebook about the digs, amen. I mean, in other words, there, the, tonight it could be a dream. But it won't remain a dream because we are the children of the king. We are the people of God. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can make a demand of faith for anything you desire and it will come to pass. Romans 4, we'll wrap this up. Verse 17, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom we believe, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. There's another example. Tonight is just chock full of all these ways the world is ripping off principles from the kingdom of God. See, you know, my, my grandson's got a, Superman, a pair of Superman pajamas. Probably not anymore. He's grown out of them. But you know, he can put on Superman pajamas, but that doesn't make him Superman. But the world out here thinks that they can play dress up and that changes who they are. But the truth for us is, I can call those things which be not as though they were. What do you think I'm doing every morning on phase two? I'm calling those things which be not as though they were. How do you think we got the land up at I-30? How do you think we built the building at I-30? How do you think we bought this land? How do you think we built this building? How do you think we paid I-30 off? How do you think we paid this off? By calling those things which be not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope, believe, and so became the father of many nations. And this is the key phrase of the whole deal, just as it had been said to him. We need to go by what God has said and stop going by what we see with our eyeballs. We need to go by what God has said and not go by what the devil's saying or social media is saying or some politician is saying. We need, to, we need to just get our minds right. Get into the Word of God. Abide in the Word of God. Dwell in the Word of God. Let the Word of God dwell in us richly to where we go by what God has said. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver. See, to get that, it shall come to pass, you got to do that, did not waver. It shall come to pass. You can't waver. 
Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in the faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. God had power to do what he had promised. And then on one occasion, Father God himself. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And uh, Ab Abraham looked up, and there's three men walking. And in the midst of that conversation, Father God himself said, I'll come back next year and you'll have, you'll have your child. What are we talking about? Gestation. Somebody's got to get pregnant. Somebody's got to wait it out. Somebody's got to give birth. Can you see it? Say it out loud. Faith brings forth the word of God. Say this, it is time to stop chasing miracles and it is time to get pregnant with the word of God and bring it forth. 